Welcome to the Happy Valley Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We are so glad that you have decided to listen to the message that God has brought through Brother Tar Henderson this week. This sermon was recorded on Sunday, October 10th, 2021, and released on Sunday, October 24th, 2021. This week's message is the fifth day from our revival at Happy Valley Baptist Church. My prayer is that this message is a blessing to you and moves the Holy Spirit to start a revival in your own life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the sermon. You know, Satan is, he's been a rough character to deal with this week. We've, we've got a lot of families that are not here, that are quarantined or have COVID or whatever, uh, missing, missing them all. Some of them are out in the parking lot, and that's good, but the Lord has blessed so much. We have had a powerful, powerful week of revival. And unfortunately, it's probably the last time I hear Brother Tar preach for a while. But anyway, I've enjoyed every one of his sermons. You come on, Brother Tar. Good morning. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. I can't think of a better place I'd rather be than worshiping with brothers and sisters in Christ What a privilege it is to be able to come together and worship like this. Many years ago, I took a trip into Germany and Switzerland and on into Siberia doing a mission trip. And while we were there in Switzerland, we were recognizing that those that were persecuted, those early believers that were facing a whole lot of conflict in theology that was taking place in that 16th century Reformation time. They would flee to the mountains and they would go into the caves and they would take that opportunity just to be able to get before the Lord and worship Him together. And so our group of about 20 individuals stood in a cave early one morning and sang praises unto the Lord. And you know, ever since then, even though it's been many years ago, I've never forgotten the fact that we have the privilege and the freedom to come together and worship together just like we are this morning instead of having to run off to the cave to be able to worship in secret. We need to never take that for granted, my friends. I am glad to be with you here this morning. I've been glad to be with you here all week. It's been a great time and I've enjoyed it thoroughly. You guys have been so much of a blessing to me, and I just want you to know once again how much I love and appreciate your pastor, Gary, and the way that he loves the Lord, and he loves you guys, and I really appreciate that and the way he ministers uh, here in this community and in this church. I also want to thank Sunrise because they have truly blessed me And they are my new brothers in Christ that I didn't know before, but I know now. They're kind of that brothers in another mother kind of deal, you know. And so I I appreciate them and the way that they have lifted me up and encouraged me this week and prayed for me. I was just wanting some clarification on that Sunday school report. Was I the one young adult that was there? I I just, oh, oh, it was Tim. Okay, well, I didn't know. I, I just thought about that. I thought maybe you missed me if I wasn't on that report. But anyway, as we come together this morning, I just want to open us up in a time of prayer. We've had a great time of focusing in on what revival truly means as the Lord deals with us as individuals. Revival truly starts in the heart of God's people. 
not out there in the lost world, but right here with us. And I pray that this morning He would continue to do a great work and move in us in a way that it influences, impacts people around this great state of New Mexico. Would you go to the Lord in prayer with me this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord God, what a privilege it is to know You. Not just know about You, but to know You. There's a whole lot of people that recognize Jesus as a good teacher. Maybe someone who is a true historical figure. But they're missing out on knowing Him personally in a relationship. And so, Lord God, thank You for allowing us that privilege through Your Son's death, burial, and resurrection that He has brought for us forgiveness of sins and a right relationship in which now we can know You personally. You are not only Creator God, but You are a personal and intimate God in whom we long to relate to on a daily basis. So God, this morning, thank You for that privilege and thank You, God, for Your Word that is timeless and relevant. And Lord God, I pray that You would speak to us this morning through that and that we would open our ears to hear it, that we would open our hearts to receive it, and that, Lord God, that we would begin to apply the biblical principles that we learn today for Your kingdom's sake and ultimately for Your glory. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you a question this morning. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. What historical event took place on April 15th, 1912? April 15th, 1912. Might, might have been a birthday of one of you around here. What event took place that day? Oh, was it? Was it, Terry? Well, let me just go ahead and give you the event. It was the sinking of the Titanic. A terrible travesty that took place as that great ship with so many of those people aboard, and yet on that day, it sank. And there were over 1,500 people that were lost that day. But I want to tell you a little bit of the backstory of that. There were three warnings that were sent to those individuals saying that they needed to be aware of the icebergs below. But you see, they never passed on those warnings to the people who were controlling the ship. They never passed on those three warnings about the icebergs that just lie below the surface of the water because they didn't really see that there was a reason. They didn't really see that there was a problem and so they never told the people that needed to hear it so that they could be aware of the catastrophic event that was about to take place. You see, on that day as that ship sank, they were warned, but it was just never given to the people that had control to do something about it. And my friends, when we think about that terrible event that day, there was another thing that took place. And that was these boats were, this ship was filled with lifeboats. But when they began to put the people in the lifeboats, they were only halfway filled. And they began to row their way out away from this great ship called the Titanic. And yet they were unwilling because of the risk to go back and to put more people in those lifeboats. 
Over 1,500 people died that day, not because they had to, but because people were unwilling to go about and take the risk to maybe save some of those individuals from their imminent death. I think that we have much of the same problem in our world today because as we look out into our world today, there are lost people everywhere we go. In this great state of New Mexico in which I travel abroad, there are 90% of the individuals that do not have a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, they may know about God, they may have even attended church, but they've never come to a place in which they have been born again of the Spirit and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their life as they come and receive God's grace through their faith faith and repentance and trust Him as Savior and Lord of their life. But yet, we have a mission according to Scripture that we are to be about sharing the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so my friends, I want us to take a look today in this passage of the Gospel of Mark. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're going to take a look at the second Gospel, the Gospel of Mark, and I want us to see from verses 1 through 12 what the Gospel of Mark helps us to understand about the way that we should love and care for those that are in need and need the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you follow along with me this morning as I read in the copy of God's Word, the New American Standard, the Gospel of Mark reads, When he had come back to Capernaum, speaking of Jesus there, several days afterwards, it was heard that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get him to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went on in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. You see, as we revert back to the story of the Titanic, that tragedy really didn't have to happen that day because a warning could have been issued to the captain of the ship to make a directional turn to where they could have avoided the icebergs. And my friends, there are many people across our world today that are headed for a literal place called hell in which they will be separated for all of eternity from the Lord God, their Creator. 
And yet, he's given us a great responsibility to be his witnesses. It teaches us here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, as Jesus shared with his disciples that when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, that they will have power and that they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And my friends, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that duty and responsibility has also been passed on to you and me. You see, the fact of the matter is, is that in this story, we find four men that were not allowing their excuses to keep them from bringing this man to a place of healing. And in that day, there were many excuses that were made about the Titanic seeking. And I wonder what kind of excuses might we make as we stand before Jesus one day and we have to account for those opportunities that maybe we had, and yet we never spoke the name of Jesus. We never shared the truth that one can have life and life eternal only through Jesus, who said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. How are we going to handle that time? Are we going to have excuses? Are we going to say, Yes, Lord, we were responsible for that and we did everything that we could. I want to take a look here in this passage of Scripture today and we'll see that as Jesus had been preaching and healing and teaching and casting out demons through Galilee, He came back to Capernaum, which is basically His home base. And there were a whole lot of people that had already heard of Jesus. There were a whole lot of people that were recognizing that He had authority, that He was one who was truly meant to be lifted up in a place of status and prominence. And so we find that in verse 45 of chapter 1. But here in verse 1, as they found that he was at home, they began to gather around and crowd into this little Palestinian home. Well, in verse 2, we find as there were many gathered there, there was no longer room even at the door while Jesus was speaking. But I want us to see the actions of these four men. I want us to think about maybe putting ourselves in that place and considering how we would have handled that. You see, because we find out here that these men truly had compassion for this man. In verses 1 through 3, and especially there in verse 3, it reads, And they came, speaking about these four men, bringing to him a paralytic carried by these four men. You see, the backdrop of this passage of Scripture doesn't tell us who these four men were. It doesn't tell us who this person was that was the paralytic. It doesn't tell us how far they had had to carry him, who they were, how they had met, whether they were really friends or just close acquaintances or whether they were strangers. But I kind of hint at the fact that maybe they were people who were friends or at least cared enough about a man that they had seen in the streets before who was paralyzed and couldn't do for himself. As these four men came beside this man, they recognized his need and they had compassion on him. Just as Jesus had compassion on those in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when Jesus had compassion on the people because He looked at them as those that were sheep that were dispirited and distrayed. He looked at them as in need. So how do we look at our world that we see around us? 
Yes, there may be people that have riches. There may be people that have health. They're living in great homes. They have pickups and boats and RVs and, and motorcycles and cattle trailer, whatever they've got. But what about their real need? Are they lost? Are they separated from God? Do they need Jesus? You see, these men, they really cared about this man. And they brought him to Jesus. You see, there were doctors around the area, but these men had confidence that Jesus was the one that, they, that he needed. Why? They had already heard about his healings. They had already heard about him exercising demons. They understood that they had confidence that Jesus was the right one to bring him to. What I want to ask the question this morning, and this is not to step on your toes, this is not to point fingers in judgment, do we have that same level of confidence in Jesus to bring salvation to a friend of ours? Maybe someone that we work with. Maybe someone that we do recreational events and sports or whatever with. Maybe a family member. Do we have the confidence that Jesus is going to bring about salvation in that individual and that we have compassion enough for them that we're willing to speak out and share with them the good news of salvation or bring them to Jesus? Do we have that level of confidence? These four men sure did, and I want to tell you why. is because when we see their actions, they didn't just have compassion on the man. They had confidence, and they were willing to do whatever it took. No excuses. No excuses. You see, when I was young, I would make excuses to my dad. And maybe it was when playing baseball, and I didn't get down on the ball far enough, you know, and the ball would go between my legs, and, and, and he'd kind of chew me out. He's pretty stern, you know. I've got, I've got the belt marks to prove it, you know. I mean, it's just the way it was back then. And yet, I would make those excuses. And finally, as I got a little older, he said, Tar, I don't want to hear any more excuses. Just do what you're supposed to do. You see, sometimes I need that reminder from the Lord. Tar, I don't want to hear any excuses. Just do what I've called you to do. Be obedient. Be faithful. That's the way I'm going to grade you and judge you and ultimately hold you accountable is if you're being faithful. You see, a typical Palestinian home was a small one-room structure with a flat roof and there was only one door into this way and then there was an access by stairs around that they could get on the roof. And these men, when they came up to the door and they recognized there was no way in because of the crowd, they didn't just say, well, Sorry, dude, well, I guess we'll just take you back over and lay you in the road for a while. No, they wound up and they went up the stairs and they took the man on the roof. And then when they couldn't get in the roof because it's like, well, there's no opening, you know what they did? They literally unroofed the roof, okay? There was no excuses, nothing going to hold them back from getting this man to Jesus. There it would have been a tiled roof to where they would have had straw and thatch on top of that. And they began to tear off this straw, tear through the mud, tear through the towels. And I, can you just imagine that scene when Jesus is down there teaching and the room is filled and people were always wanting to hear and you heard this racket, you know, going on. These guys were determined. And they unroofed the roof and they let the man down in his stretcher. 
They let the man down to the only one who could provide the ultimate healing, and that was Jesus. They had a level of confidence in Jesus that was unbeknownst to anyone else. So my question for you today, my friends, is what would you be willing to do for someone? What would you be willing to do for a family member? What would you be willing to do for a friend, a co-worker? Maybe someone that's just a community member. And my friends, maybe even ask this, what would you be willing to do for an enemy? These men were willing to do everything they could to bring the man to Jesus. But we find there, after they had dug an opening and let him down, we find something that really surprised everybody in verse 5. I want us to turn back there in that copy of God's Word and see in verse 5, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic son, paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. I want to stop for just a moment and look at that. And it says, and Jesus, seeing their faith. You know what? I don't know about you, but, but when I think about Jesus being proud of me, that really excites me. You know, to think about entering into the courts of heaven and hearing the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, that motivates me. That encourages me to do what He's called me to do and to be faithful about that. But even when I think about in my daily life as a husband, I rejoice in the thought that God looks down upon me and excites, is excited about the way that I love my wife. But the fact of the matter is, sometimes He's also going to be disappointed by the way that I don't love my wife well. And then, of course, my two kids are grown, but do I love my two kids well? Have I parented them well? Bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, have I done my job well? It excites me to think that Jesus is proud of what I'm doing for Him. And when He sees these men, He sees their faith. It reveals something, something genuine about them. It reveals something authentic. What my question is, is does anyone see your authenticity as a follower of Christ? Would they be able to say, absolutely, and I'm just going to throw Terry out here because we know we got a few of those in the crowd. When we think about, do people see Terry, and I won't pick on either one of them or any more that may be here, but do they really see Jesus in those individuals? Do they see that they have an authentic love for God and it's demonstrated in their love for people? Because see, Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, He talked to His disciples and He said, Today I give you a new commandment that you love one another. He says, I give you this commandment that you love one another because this is how people are going to know that you're My disciples when you love one another. Do they see that in you? In your life, you see, Jesus was recognizing their faith and he was experiencing a true, genuine faith. But I want us to see something here. There was a surprise that took place in this because Jesus didn't respond the way that they expected him to respond. You ever take, have that take place in your life when Jesus doesn't answer your prayer quite like what you thought he might, you know? 
Well, that's what was happening here. They brought him to Jesus and all they want to do is have him healed up. Hey, let this get this brother to walking again. But instead, Jesus met him with a word and that word was, Son, your sins are forgiven. Well, that's all great, Jesus, but I'm still paralyzed. That's all great that you want to forgive my sins and give me a blessing, but Lord, I'm still paralyzed. You see, he didn't realize his real need. Yes, he was paralyzed, but his real need was not his paralyzation. His real need was to have his sins forgiven. It reminds me of a story that was told about a valedictorian boy that was about to graduate high school. And on the day before graduation, the principal called him in and he said, well, I see you finally done it. You're about to graduate with a 4.0. All throughout school, you've done excellent. Now, what my question is to you is what are your plans after you graduate? And he said, well, I'm thinking about going ahead and going to college and getting my associate's degree. And he said, what then? And he said, well, I want to be a doctor, so I'm going to go to medical school and go ahead and take care of that and pursue my career. And he said, what then? He said, well, I want to get married and have children then and, and continue with my career. And he said, what then? And he said, well, I guess I'll retire. And he said, what then? And he said, well, I think in my retirement, I'd like to travel the world and see new things. And he said, what then? The guy kind of stopped for a minute and he said, well, I guess I'll die. And with a pause, the principal said, what then? You see, the problem is a lot of people are looking at their ailments in life, but they're not looking at the main problem they have. And that is they're separated from God because they've never come to a place in which they have trusted Jesus to forgive their sins and to make them a new creation in Christ Jesus. You see, sins are a big deal, my friend. We can kind of skirt the issue and say, well, it was just a little lie. Or, well, you know, I just weren't quite as faithful as maybe I should. But you see, sins are a big deal. And that's what Jesus was sharing with them is that sins were a big deal and there were those that knew sins were a big deal and they were called the scribes. They were called the religious leaders. And even in this parallel passage that takes place over in Luke chapter 5, it says the Pharisees came along as well and they began to be the critics of Jesus, which they always were. And they pointed out the fact that, wait a minute, hold on. Now, this man is paralyzed but I want to ask the question here, Jesus, as we take a look back up here in verse 6 when they came and they were reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak this way? He is blaspheming because they asked the question in the silence of their minds. They asked the question, who can forgive sins but God alone? You see, they knew that sins were a big deal. And they knew that no one was able to forgive sins but God and God alone. 
You couldn't earn and have your sins forgiven. You couldn't work and have your sins forgiven. It was only by the declaration of God and God alone who could forgive sins. And so there was the conflict that was taking place. And they had a difficult question when it came to this because Jesus responded to them here in verse 9 because Jesus was aware of them. You know, He is God. And, and he, he understood that they were reasoning in their hearts. And in verse 9, he said, okay, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk? Now, I don't know about you, but either one of those pretty tough uh, bill to follow. It's not easy that I could just come up to somebody that has an ailment and say, your sins are forgiven, or that I would actually be able to heal them in any way. And so they recognized that was not a question that they could really answer easily because either one of those questions, the answer would point to Jesus being God. Now, when we look at the Scripture, we recognize that Jesus is God. Why? Because He tells us in Scripture that He is God. He tells Philip, that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When we think about Jesus, we recognize that He and He alone said that He was God in the flesh. So what we find here is that He knew full well what was going to take place. And sin was the problem of this man. And it's serious. And so I want to call a time out here. I've got three, but I'm going to use one now. I want us to know right now you see, sin is for every person. The Scripture teaches in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Matter of fact, it tells us in verse 10, for there is none righteous, no, not one. Not Terry's, not Bob's, not Bill's, not Jim's, not Tar's. There's only one that is sinless, and His name is Jesus. And he took to the cross one fateful day as he walked up the hill of Via Della Rosa and he was placed upon a cruel cross where his nails, where the nails pierced his hands and feet. And he did that so that he would pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins. You see, that is the gospel message. Not that He just died. Not that He was just buried. Not that He was just resurrected. But that He died for your sins and for my sins. That's the good news of salvation that comes in Jesus Christ. You see, this man didn't do anything to have his sins forgiven. Only with the true authority of Jesus could sins be forgiven. We come to the place here where we recognize that this man had a desperate need and only Jesus could fulfill that need. And we find that although there were those that were in conflict and there were those that were critical, Jesus was willing to forgive his sins and bring about salvation for this man. I want us to think about here as we, as we come because ultimately Jesus is pointing to the fact that He has the authority to forgive sins. When we think about Romans chapter 6, verse 23, you see that's the good news in a nutshell. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
You see, with that one verse, we see that we're separated from God because of our sin. Our wages that are due to us are death. But because of what Christ has done, we can experience life abundant here and now, according to John 10.10, and life eternal because of what Christ has done in the payment for sin. But you see, there's a difference here. It doesn't just happen universally. Just because Jesus died on that fateful day, it didn't automatically save everyone. It is a point in which we must confess our sins. We must believe in what Jesus Christ has done. And we must repent of our sin and trust Jesus as Savior and Lord of our life. I always like to put it this way. There is a time, there is a point in which every person that is a true child of God has done that in their life. I like to look at it as the day that I married my wife. All the way back on June 23rd, 1990. Doesn't that seem like forever ago? But you see, we could have had the wedding. We could have had the festivities. But if we would have not stood before the pastor, and I placed that ring of commitment upon her finger that day and said, I do. Do you know what? We'd just be living together. It wouldn't be a marriage. It wouldn't be a commitment. At some point in your life, my friend, if there's not a time in which you've confessed your sin before God and you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and be Savior and Lord of your life. I don't care how many times you come to church. I don't care what successes you have in this world. You're still far away from God. It says that Jesus, the only sinless one, came so that He may ultimately bring about a righteousness in us that we could never bring in and of ourselves. Let's conclude here today because Jesus has the authority and He proves it. Let's take a look there in verse 10 and 11 and 12. He said, but so that you may know that the Son of Man, speaking of Himself, has authority on earth to forgive sins, He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. Okay. Now we could stop right there and he could say those words just like he said your sins are forgiven. But if the man doesn't get up and walk, then Jesus is a fraud. But hallelujah, we can praise God today because that day, on that very moment, the man got up restored the strength to his legs, picked up his pallet, and walked away. My friends, that's miraculous. And that is what Jesus does. Is Jesus does the miraculous in me, and He does the miraculous in you. Because that's Jesus. He has the authority to do that. He can forgive sins. He can provide healing. He can provide a change of life when you say, Pastor, but I can't deal with my gossiping mouth. Jesus can. When you say, but Pastor, I can't deal with my depression. Jesus can. When you say, I can't deal with my unfaithfulness and my lust. Jesus can. When you say, but I can't deal with my anger and my struggle. Jesus can. He has the authority and He longs to make 
people whole. You see, you could just say if you were in a court of law, case closed. Because Jesus proved He was truly God. The conclusion of this that we see today is that we recognize that only Jesus has the power over sin and death because He's already walked through it. You see, I can have victory today not because of what I've done, but I can have victory because of what Jesus has already done for me. I'm going to close with this. You may have some people out there that are lost. They may be your friends. They may be your family members. They may be your co-workers. They may be just acquaintances or they may be a neighbor. And men and women, boys and girls, they need Jesus. The movie Hacksaw Ridge speaks about a man named Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss was a man that did not want to carry a weapon into war, but he wanted to serve his country. And Desmond Doss went there in that war, and he continued to be faithful as a soldier. But one fateful day, they were in a huge battle. And there were many of his comrades that were going to die. And Desmond Doss, without a single weapon and without any help, rescued 75 men. Did he have excuses? Absolutely. He had excuses he could have been shot. He had excuses he was going to have to traverse up a hill in the smoke and all of the struggle of not knowing who was his enemy. My friends, Desmond Doss had every excuse that he could possibly have because he had a family at home that was waiting on him. But Desmond Doss wanted so desperately to recover his friends and comrades that he went into the battle and he drug every last one of those 75 men to their place of safety. There are those that we know they're dying. And they're going to die an eternal death separated from God for eternity is what Scripture teaches. And Jesus has given us by His authority that we are to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And you know what He says? And lo, I am with you always. We may have a lot of excuses for why we're not sharing the good news. But my friends, could I just encourage you today? This is not to beat you up. This is to encourage you. As the Holy Spirit lives within us, He's going to give us boldness. He's going to give us the words to say. And I pray that as we have compassion for those that are there, that we'll have the confidence in Jesus. You see, we don't save anybody, but we can bring them to the one who does. I'm going to invite Gary up at this time. And I'm going to ask if all of you would just stand to your feet. We're going to do things a little differently as I have Terry play softly. I want you, if you would, this morning to just bow your heads. 
If you want to come to the altar and pray this morning, you absolutely can do that. I would never, I would never hold you from doing that and praying for maybe someone that you long to see to know Christ. If you want to come and you want to speak with Brother Gary this morning, you can absolutely do that. I would not in any way want to keep you from that. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, could you just allow me this morning to ask this question? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt today that the Lord would require of you your life can you say beyond a shadow of a doubt that you know, that you know, that you know that you're saved and that you'll experience heaven and experience eternal life with Jesus from that moment on? If you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's where you're going to spend eternity with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand this morning? I'm not going to put you on the spot. I just want to pray for you. If I could ask you another question today, do you have somebody that the Lord has already brought to your mind this morning? Already that name and even that picture of their face that you long to see come to know Jesus. Maybe they've experienced an addiction in drugs. Maybe they've experienced an addiction in pornography. Maybe they're sold out to the material things of the world and you know that they're lost. And you have that name and that picture of their face there in your mind's eye today. Would you just raise your hand if you already have that person? Would you just raise your hand? All right, all right, I see those hands. I'm going to encourage you as I pray for us here in just a few moments. I'm going to pray that if there be those that do not know Jesus, that they'll have that absolute confidence today that they can know Jesus as they trust Him and accept His perfect love and forgiveness of their sins. And then I would have those that have somebody in mind that they want to share with, I'm going to pray for you as well that you'll have the boldness to be able to share Christ's love and the good news of the Gospel with that individual in the very near future. You see, I'm giving you the warning right now and I want you to be able to do something with that warning to those that you love. If there's any other decision that needs to be made today, I pray that during this moment as Terry plays that you would come forward and share that with Brother Gary or just come to the altar and pray. As he said, these may be the last days of revival meetings, but this doesn't have to be the last days of experiencing true revival. no one comes, I'll go ahead and close this in our time of prayer this morning. Dear Lord, 
We thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. And we thank you, Lord God, that in the scripture we see that Mark had written a beautiful picture about four men that loved their friend so much that they were willing to do whatever it took to see him healed. And they knew that although there were many other things that could bring about a physical healing, there was an understanding that only Jesus could provide ultimate healing. And their level of confidence in Him made them put away all the excuses and do whatever it took that day to give this man true healing. Lord God, today, that one that doesn't have that reassurance, for those ones that don't have that true confidence of being secure in their faith, that if they were to die today, that Lord Jesus, they would immediately be in the presence of Your arms. Lord God, I pray that today that they would come to know Your good news and that they would trust Jesus as Savior and Lord of their lives. Lord, if they've already done that, but they're just on shaky ground of knowing that security, I pray that today You would firm up in them the truth of Your Scripture where the Apostle John says as he writes these words in 1 John 5, 12, He that has the Son of God has life. But he that does not have the Son of God does not have life. And he writes this in verse 13. I write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. Lord, for all the others that were here today that lifted their hand of those that they had a person or persons in mind, that they would share with and long to see them come to faith in Jesus. Lord God, I pray that You would put in them the spirit of Desmond Doss, his desire to see people saved and rescued. And I pray that they would see and experience Your boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit in which they would be willing to go and share and to bring them to You. Share their testimony. Share the truth of the Gospel. And then, Lord God, for all the rest that were here today, I just pray that You would just instill in them a desire and a compassion for the lost. Lord God, there's a lot of messed up people in our world today, and we could just turn and be angry at them. But if they're lost, much of the reason they act the way they do is because they don't know You and they don't have the Holy Spirit to guide them and direct them and to empower them to live a holy life. And so God, given, a, given us a deep desire and compassion for the lost, that we may not have excuses, but that we would desire to see them saved and begin to work towards that end of seeing You bring salvation to them. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask and we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that you know Jesus as your personal Savior. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior and would like to talk with someone, we would love to talk with you. We are in the Carlsbad, New Mexico area at 4103 West Texas Street. Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. and Sunday morning services start at 10.45 a.m. We also have a Wednesday night Bible study that meets at 6 p.m. We encourage you to get connected to a local church in your community 
and get involved in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. To stay up to date on all the happenings at Happy Valley Baptist Church, you can go to facebook.com slash hvbcnm. That is facebook.com slash hvbcnm, as in Happy Valley Baptist Church, New Mexico. To find additional podcast sermons, you can go to podcast.hvbcnm.org. Thank you and God bless.